Okay, so we're on the, kind of our last topic, our last day. We're talking about um, marriage and finances. If you've got the handout, we're right at the top of page eight, or you could look at the bottom of seven. The question was at the bottom of seven. Does the Bible allow for mothers to work outside the home? And I just put these up. These were kind of our key principles that we took out of Scripture. If you remember, there's verses that support in the Proverbs and also in the New Testament. Uh, not seeking to be too rich or too poor, avoiding getting rich quick, but working hard, understanding our financial situation, and giving to the Lord. And we looked at a variety of scriptures that were pointing to that. So, let's go to Titus. You guys want to open up to Titus chapter 2. That's going to be where we start to look into a verse that we kind of have a discussion among. This working at, at home versus working outside at home. And... In Titus, he is addressing different groups. He begins with older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Okay. So, someone want to read there? Now we're on 3 through 5. <coughs> Got it. Okay, good. <coughs> Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Okay. So there's a list there, and one of them kind of stands out at addressing where it says working at home. But what are? let's just hit each one of them. What are the things that the older women are to uh, give the young women in terms of construction. Self-control. Self-control. Mm-hmm. Love their husbands and children. Yeah, loving their husbands and children. There's, there's two. Kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be submissive to their own husbands. Mm-hmm. Not kind of maybe one more. Here. Yeah. Right. So we see each one of those specifically that the older women are to be instructing the young women how how they were to do each one of these things. Okay. So looking at that list, right? There's that one of those things they're instructing them is to be working at home or workers at home. Uh, this phrase or this word just is the only time it's used in the New Testament. Okay. So does this um, would you say it forbids working outside the home? What do you think? What would be your explanation behind? I don't think it forbids it. It okay. gives what you should be doing, but does not say what you should not be doing. Okay. Yeah. So we should be working at home, but it doesn't say not to work outside. So what might that look like? How can a, how could it look if someone were to be fulfilling this this instruction? but they were still working outside the home. Maybe what, what would it not look like? What would, would, it, would it look like? It wouldn't look like being gone more than your home. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the time? Or? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It wouldn't be 12 hours outside the home and an hour and a half inside the home not mm-hmm. sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And why? Let's talk through that. Like, why would that not make sense, or why would that make it hard to? You don't have time to fulfill the other 
Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point that, you know, if you have an hour at home, right, it makes it hard to be a worker at home, but it makes it hard to do some of the other things, loving your husbands and your children. And so what else? What, what are some other guidances? The, the time? What would you, how would you advise women if they're considering whether or not a certain work outside the home would be, might work, might not? The men are like, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, I mean, kind of like... <laughs> I've had part-time jobs here and here, mm-hmm. and I've always had a list, like a checklist of priorities, and if that part-time job interfered with one of those priorities, then I knew it wasn't mm-hmm. what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. But if it didn't, then there was no reason not to. Yeah, that's good. Any, any, any general or specific things you'd share off those priorities that you felt like, this is what I need to make sure I'm doing this? Um, well, one of them was not costing us more than it was bringing in. Like, <laughs> yeah. if Cole was able to watch the kids, I didn't have to pay somebody to watch the kids, then that was beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't feel like it took too much time out where I wasn't still able to do my other chores, like keeping the house clean and Mm-hmm. Um, like that. hmm Yeah, you bring up an interesting, I think sometimes there's this idea, so you have, right, the, uh, the income from outside the home, minus things like if you have childcare uh, and other expenses, you know, yeah. wardrobe, transportation. Increased eating out. Okay. Right, and then so if you look at that difference, that's like the the benefit slash cost. And so one that's this is an idea that we use to think about. So like if we when we thought about Carissa working outside versus all those costs that we would incur, you know, generally that is going to be right. This is going to be greater than that. And for us, we are viewing it kind of on the flip side is that we wanted her to be able to work fully at home. And so whatever this difference was, for us, this was like the price that we were willing to pay to be able to be free to raise our kids and homeschool our kids. We knew that we could make this additionally if we wanted to, that difference, but it would there'd be the other cost of she would be gone 30, 40, whatever many hours a week. What else? What are some good things to think about and consider? Which is what is the value of you being home? So mm-hmm. there, there might be a cost, like you're talking about, and there probably will be a cost. Mm-hmm. But is the value of you being there greater than the cost of? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think in any situation that you choose, there's always something that's being sacrificed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that can be a good thing, that can be a bad thing. I know when, when we were first married, I worked full-time. Mm-hmm. And that was very, that was important to David, that I worked full-time. And so one of the discussions that we had at that point was like, okay, I can't do everything at home if I'm at work, so we need to maybe a little bit more equal mm-hmm. on the house stuff. Mm-hmm. But then we didn't have any kids, we were both full-time, and mm-hmm. so we kind of shared more of those house responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And now that we do have a child, I work part-time, and it, it's a lot easier for me to make sure I get all the things done at home. Yeah. But no matter what you choose, yeah. you're, there's always something that's being sacrificed, um, whether that's finances or time at home or, or whatever that is. 
and you really have to look at that and think, is, is what I'm sacrificed, sacrificing worth sacrificing? Yeah. That's a good thing that you got, you mentioned is that there's always a discussion, you know, like who's, who takes care of what responsibilities and there can be a lot of opportunity for conflict around unmet expectations if one's expecting the other to do certain things. I think another thing just to be aware of too is like sometimes people take the workers at home and they kind of have this arbitrary, um, I can't get work outside the home, but I can do a home business. Because you're physically in the because home. Because you're physically in mm-hmm. not being aware that even a home business and all that that takes, mm-hmm. you know, can have the same yeah. detrimental effects on, on the family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of it is just, um, do you find more satisfaction in doing what the Lord wants you to do or in your career? Mm-hmm. You know, where if a woman is career-minded, and that is what keeps your, you know, that's what wakes her up in the morning, mm-hmm. that's what preoccupies her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a tendency to maybe despise mm-hmm. um, some of these other roles, that's her heart. But if she sees her, her job as a way of, helping the family and helping to love her husband and all these things. I mean, I think there's there's some allowance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another good thing to consider, too, is uh, you mentioned before before you guys had children, right? The, the number of children, the age of the children. So yeah. it might look differently if for uh, a family where you have two kids and they're in high school. And so the amount of time and responsibilities at home you still have some, but they may be different than if you have four kids and they're all at home at that time. Does that seem to make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of more on what Brandon was saying too. I think for every woman, it's probably a little bit different. So you know, like if you're finding yourself advising another woman, like like kind of know yourself in this. Like if mm-hmm. if you are noticing that it's conflicting, like say. You're, you don't even do the prior work to say, will this conflict, and you get into it, but you notice that you can't fully do both of those things mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and which one is suffering more, right? Yeah. And so, which one is more the priority? Yeah. Right? So, so knowing, knowing yourself, can, can I manage both of these mm-hmm. things and still serve my mm-hmm. family? Yeah, I, in this next question, like, what are some wrong reasons for mothers to work outside the home? One that I've heard multiple times that it, it's just um, is uh, is I talk to oftentimes I'm at school and talking with, with ladies who are, who are teaching and they'll say something along the lines of I just need a break from my kids I'm a better mom when I have this break when I'm at work and I come home and I just can't take it and they they're better off with, you know almost like someone else would do a better job raising them during the day. Um, and so it's, it breaks my heart to hear that on behalf of their kids. And I want to encourage them that they're your kids, you know. Um, so that's one wrong reason, I think. Yeah, and I think raising kids is kind of like ministry. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you measure success in ministry? How do you raise, mm-hmm. measure success in raising kids? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no numbers you can quantify it with. There's no mm-hmm. profit. There's, I mean, there's, 
what are the metrics? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it can just be a very, you can see why there's an appeal to find significance in work mm -hmm. because you have goals, you have performance reviews, mm -hmm. you have salary, you, you have a bunch of these things to say, I'm successful because of this. Mm -hmm. Or when you stay home with kids, I mean, maybe your Mother's Day cards or mm -hmm. something like that. You, you know what I'm saying? It's a pretty thankless mm -hmm. job, you know, and, and, it's, and it is. And it's it extremely hard. difficult, yeah. I think that there, there's, I often tell my coworkers that I have the easier job by far, you know, coming to school. And just that idea that it's a, it's a very intensive, it's a ton of work, um, and without a lot of thanks and praise. And yeah. <coughs> what else? What other, what other reasons you've seen, heard, that you think might not be good reasons to choose to work outside the home for mothers? I think they want a sense of purpose or fulfillment mm -hmm. outside of their home. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even pressure from their husbands. Yeah. I want a boat, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Make that happen. You need to work. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think, if 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 the husband's caught up in this benefit, right? If we can, yeah. you know, marries a woman for her own potential. Uh, what about, can you, you guys laughing about me? You said that's what I did, and I, I said, yeah, it worked out real well for you. <laughs> <laughs> what are, what, I'm thinking about some conversations Carissa and I had, and I was like, oh, it's in here. But I remember at one point thinking, we had this conversation, she's like, we, I, I thought I'd bury somebody who would make m more money than what we're, you know, you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, it's good, it's all good. <laughs> and I remember too, thinking when I was growing up, high school and college, you know, I was a very successful student, scholarships and everything, and I just never even, I don't know why, I just never even thought about, you know, the, the business that will make the most money. I've been teaching just like totally ignorant, like, Oh yeah, they get paid a lot less, you know that type of thing, and so yeah, just the the, the amount, like focusing on the amount. Well, I had a friend in high school who actually she went to college, and the major that she picked was solely dependent on what and her and her dad had done all this stuff to figure out what was going to be the most needed jobs and how could she make the most money. Yeah. She works for Boeing in Phoenix, and they don't have any kids yet. Her husband's a doctor, mm -hmm. and I'm very interested to see. What happens? How it plays out? Yeah, like how it plays out when they do have kids. What yeah. she does. Um, her mom was a stay-at-home mom, um, so I'm just that's really mm -hmm. interesting to me to see if her priorities change yeah. and what happens because, you know, all throughout high school and all throughout college, it was all, what can I do to make the most mm -hmm. money when I graduate high school so I can live, yeah, whatever lifestyle I want to live yeah. and do all the mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I I had a conversation with a. Uh, Teacher that I was connected to through through it, it was a calculus another calculus teacher, and we, he was doing a Zoom with us in our class one day, and he was talking. We were asking him about his, his background. He was an engineer and was making tons of money, but he just didn't find kind of the fulfillment piece yeah. there. And so there's kind of that that balance 
right? Your, your fulfillment and your purpose versus the amount sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I read some study years ago, and I think the number was $75,000 a year, yeah, which might be a lot of money to, mm-hmm. to us, but they said that quality of life and stuff like that, once you hit that threshold, yeah. it doesn't really change. There's no measurable yeah. change after that. Yeah. yeah. Like when you reach the point where you have your basic needs. You, you know. have your basic needs and you don't have to worry about the bottom yeah. line. It just kind of takes that away. So yeah, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, money's overrated. Yeah. And I think that's that's the message. Yeah. I was, scripture is money's overrated. I was telling Carissa that it, it was funny. I heard a quote from uh, Warren Buffett, you know, at the top, billions and billions. And he was talking to young people just saying, you know, for a normal young working person, our lives are basically the same in terms of what we eat, the clothes you wear. There's like no noticeable difference in much of your daily life. He said, the amount I have above this doesn't have this huge effect on the clothes I wear, the car I drive, I mean, maybe a little bit nicer car. But the bulk of what he does during his day, he said, now, there's other areas like travel where I fly on my own jet or whatever, but there's certain things where the bulk, right, it's just once you reach a certain point, you have your food, your clothing, your shelter, transportation, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not a huge, it doesn't make a big impact on your daily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think even relationships in general. And I'd say that's another thing is if, if working is causing a strain mm-hmm. on your marriage and in, on your family life. Mm-hmm. I mean, better is a plate of vegetables mm-hmm. where love is than a house of great feasting mm-hmm. and strife. It's just not, it's not worth the conflict. Yeah. It's not worth being deta- estranged from mm-hmm. your spouse or your kids. I mean, so I think a lot, I mean, yeah. just having a realistic assessment of that. This has taken a toll on our relationship. And the same thing if the husband has a job that's mm-hmm. just killing him. But if the husband has like a super busy job, um, it might be very difficult for both the parents to be that busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, would, I think maybe one last one. What are some wrong reasons you mentioned it? it? It could be the greed of the husband or just laziness of the husband. I mean, yeah. if I'm a teacher and I've you know, got three months and got all this vacation time, and if we do need more income, you know, they, it might be go out and get a you know, summer job, extra job, instead of why don't you work during the year so I can enjoy all my time off. And there are times when women generally have to work because the husband's incapacitated or he's just refusing. Yeah, so like noble reasons, right? That's what I mean, like husband gets hurt, right? He's unable to work. What else? When might a woman ought to work outside the home? Yeah. Water responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting around the house. Like laziness is obviously not called to. Right. Right. So you may have a very small, you know, very small home, no kids, one kid, right? So there might be you might be able to fulfill more than one. And I think it's important to remember that working outside the home can mean right, it's on a huge scale from five hours a week to six sixty, seventy hours a week. So that balance is a key thing. Another noble reason is, um, I mean, let's say somebody's a nurse mm-hmm. and 
COVID hit the hospital mm -hmm. and there's a shortage of nurses. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even something like that for a season or even like, you know, as long as things are in balance, I mean, that's a valuable mm -hmm. contribution to the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. And there may be, um, I think I've run into a lot of couples where there may be time where, you know, the husband and the wife both feel like the husband needs or wants or they want to have some more interaction between the kids. And so there may be some time where that, in order to make that happen, in order for him to come home and, and spend a little bit more time where he's not just absent the whole time, you know, gone in the morning and gets back when the kids are in bed, you know, maybe there's some, some time where the wife works a little bit. Um, Let's go ahead and look at case study five. So Josh and Amanda, right? So there's this one income family where Josh is working a full-time job. He serves in the church and Amanda stays home and schools their three children. And they've gone through a time where after several months in a row, they are barely getting by on Josh's income. Amanda suggests that Josh ask his boss for a raise or an extra shift. And frustrated, Josh says, maybe you should get a job and help out. Okay, so imagine you're either Amanda's coming to you or Josh is coming to you. Kind of describe this situation. Um, so let's maybe start with Amanda. How would you, how would you counsel her? Did something change? Did costs jump for you, mm -hmm. or did income go down? Like why is it? Why is, yeah, it, why is it a problem now, or mm -hmm. is this? immediately upon them becoming the one in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I would counsel her to maybe try to <clears throat> delve into that frustration on his part a little bit. It sounds like not just something that happened in the moment, like mm -hmm. you know, potentially his frustration came before this point, mm -hmm. and that's why he's frustrated in this moment, and he's frustrated with her for some mm -hmm. reason. Yeah, I think um, what you guys are saying about talking about it as a team problem, I think that's something that it needs to happen regularly, but like you mentioned, if there's a significant change, like a birth of a child or 
big purchase or significant change, then that really requires even more sitting down and talking and planning. Let me see. It says they're getting by. They are getting by. So like maybe they're just What's wrong with yeah? On vacation. <laughs> That's really good, yeah. I think, was it earlier we talked about like the biblical definition of, of uh, having enough, right? Too poor was not having enough food to eat, right? So it might be good to counsel what does it mean, right? So let's kind of talk about Josh, right? What would you say? What should I do counsel him if he comes? He's kind of either venting or, or sharing his frustrations with you. Josh, what I'm hearing from you is you were frustrated and you blame shifted. I'm going to say that you were in the wrong. Now you should probably repent. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you ask forgiveness. Okay. I would add, you insulted your wife when you said that. Yeah. Why don't you get a job? Uh, kind of denigrated what she does with the kids and the effort she puts into that. Yeah. Yeah, she could easily respond, another job, right? She already has a job. Um, it makes me feel like that, like, he probably has time for an extra shift, maybe, if she suggested that. Right. I feel like most women want their man at home. But if she suggests that he get an extra shift, he's probably got the time for it. Yeah, that's very that's a very good observation. Is be, that? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it'd be a lot easier to ask for an extra shift than a raise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very good wisdom too, right? Don't just ask for more money, right? That's so true. That's so true. I think that's something that. Uh, and then that would consciously let the boss know this guy wants to work, but he he needs more money. And then that would leave that open. Right. Yes. Yes. I I do in the afternoons listen to the the Ramsey sometimes, and that's the they that's a common question as people come in. How can I make more, you know, or ask for a raise? And it's often the good advice is, well, why don't you ask them instead of asking for money? How can you add more value to or work better or improve your workplace? And that will help your employer or your boss know that right that it would correspond with. You know, increased income. That's a great, great observation. Or you just ask your boss how could I benefit the company more? Yeah. Whether it be doing separate stuff yeah. for them, but not a shift necessarily. Very much. Yeah. Can I do a different role? Is there something else I can help out with? That's huge. More I can do. Is there more I can do? I know that um, I was for a while I was contemplating you know, applying at the university and so sometimes there's this idea of just continually not um, just being open that the Lord may have different things for you not saying well this is the one job that I have to work for my entire life right just being open to other options if, if you reach a point where maybe Josh goes to his employer and nope this is it this is all we have then maybe he takes some initiative to see if there's any any other employment out there that might work for him uh, so we're kind of addressing the income, is there the income, but there's two sides to it. So what else, what's another counsel we could give them? Instead of just figure out how to spend less. You figure out how to spend less. Yeah. Cut Netflix or like change insurance companies, maybe find ways to cut yeah. expenses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're barely getting by. We can't I mean the fifth time we go out to eat this week, it's like where's the money? Well it seems like maybe they're um, thinking the other person isn't doing enough. You know, he says maybe you should get a job and help out. Maybe he's thinking that she's not, maybe she's being lazy at home or, mm -hmm. or 
or she has extra time. So they're kind of thinking that maybe the other one has extra time that they could be using more wisely. Mm -hmm. It could be not even an issue of money, but of, of how they're spending their time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I when I um, read this, the one thing I would say to, to Josh is to ask him, you know, do you feel like you are, are you doing everything you can? Because I could sense, this, sometimes there's some frustration in the sense that if I feel like I am working hard, but it's not enough, that's, that's a very frustrating position for me as the, to feel the, the pressure to be like I'm the provider, but it's not enough for my wife or my kids. That's, that can be really discouraging. And so having a real frank conversation about, okay, where, where are we not getting by? You know, and what, what can we do? How can I help? And, and there may be times, like you said, where they just continue to get by and they, God has that for them to grow together or to depend on Him. There's a lot of reasons why. So there's a lot of counsel we could give them. Okay, let's tackle some thought questions as we wrap things up. So let's see. We talked about this once before. What do you think? Should couples have separate bank accounts? Why or why not? Is there any yes, no, sometimes? Yeah, and the point of it, whether they have one bank account or have separate, what, what's the goal for them? Like, why? Why should they have one bank account? It's a big marker of unity. Yeah, mm -hmm. to, be, to be united. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's going to force you to talk about things. Mm -hmm. It's not, I spent my money on it. It's, this is the money. Right. What are we doing with the money? Right. <laughs> this is our money, which is also God's. And then what are... Like, why might there be a need for an, an additional bank account? Yeah, somebody has a home business or somebody has a farm. Um, for accounting purposes, you, it just you've got to keep it separate. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then you take the profit or whatever and you put that into the general. Right, and at the same time, right? If it's if if one of you has this business, you it's still this is our business, right? It's yeah. a separate bank account. This is our personal bank account. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen enough bad marriages and divorce situations where, like, the husband or the wife has secret bank accounts. Mm -hmm. And there's always a skunk when that happens. Yeah. And look, I had my statistic with me today about um, one in three of those who argue with their spouse about money confess they have hid purchases. From their spouse. So this is a high, high percentage there. I, I was shocked um, too that um, there's some things that even like so. Carissa and I have you know our joint account and everything's joint. Well, we went to make a purchase and there was like a limit on the debit card, so we had to call and raise the limit so that the purchase would go through. And I called and I said, well, they said, well, which card is it? And I said, well, I think it was my wife's card. Well, it will have to be her. And I said, but 
aren't we both on the account? Yes, you are. Yes, it is. But that's her. So like, as much as you can, right? You try and have everything um, together. But okay, I will. Is there anything I can do to change that? No, there's nothing. So I don't know if that's a banking standard or yes, it is. Okay. What should a woman do if her husband makes a reckless, a reckless or many reckless financial decisions? And you don't need to name any specifics. <laughs> reckless financial decisions. Any, any advice? I think it would depend on the, what reckless the was nature it. of it. Was it you went to the store to buy groceries and you came back with a grill? <laughs> or you bought a house? <laughs> yes. Or a truck? <laughs> or went to the casino? Yeah. How reckless are we talking? Mm -hmm. So picking one of those, what might be a good... The grill. Okay, you bought the grill. The grill. How should how should she respond in that? What kind of girl? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got a great deal. Yeah. What was model? Was yeah. she wanting a girl? Yeah. <laughs> was it the Bobby Bond? That's right. That's right. That's right. I think because there's something you can laugh about. Yes. Yeah. Even though it was foolish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there's others that are gonna cause. Serious issues where mm -hmm. the grill's not going to cause an issue that you bought a truck and didn't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the grill's going to be like, well, I guess we're eating at home a lot more. Yes. <laughs> You're yeah. going to become the the grill master. Yeah. <laughs> no more stinks yeah. out. Yeah. I actually did that. Yes. <laughs> I, buy it. I got her permission, yes. but I barbecued for like 30 days straight. <laughs> and Becky said, I love this grill. So. Yeah, I'm thinking, I don't think I'd mind if he came home. <laughs> You're, you're the doing the kicking. You're doing the grill. <laughs> All right. Well, there he goes, Scott. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Ours is, is the, the bottom is almost all rusted out. It's about, it's about time, anyway. What do we say? I mean, is it wrong to enjoy our money? Right. You can't take with you when you're going. But yeah. You shouldn't be wasteful and careless with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, we, I think we read this passage um, previously. Uh, we read it with the kids the other night because we were talking about a variety of things and we've been talking to them about, you know, working hard and making, you know, earning money and saving money and uh, being wise. And so if you want to flip to Ecclesiastes, there's a nice uh, passage in there that we read. I believe it's, yeah, kind of surrounding that 518. But it talks about kind of two men and one where it's a great um, it's a great good and one where it's a great evil and there's a there's kind of a narrow difference between them. But in eighteen, behold, I have what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy 
in his heart. So that's the first man. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. So it's almost exactly the same description. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. So both cases, God's given these men wealth and work and toil and all that they need. But the power to enjoy them is, is a gift from God. And so that's one of God's gifts is that we can enjoy both the work and the, the income, the prosperity that comes from working hard. I'll spice this up. Okay. Um, spice it up. So how can you sit and enjoy a steak when you know that there's a kid in Africa mm-hmm. total sustenance for the entire week is a cup of rice? Steak. We just went to the meat locker yesterday. So, what do you guys think? There's that that idea of how can you yeah. enjoy what God's given you when you're allowing others? Yeah, when so many others are not. Well, clean your plate. Don't throw food away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A real life, another real life example. I had a friend Finish that. Finish your wife's steak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend that he bought he bought new tires for his truck. And a nice set of tires, and, and a friend said, do you know how many Bibles that would have purchased for kids in some foreign country? You know, like, the guilt trip. Like, you could have spent that money on food or, or Bibles. Were they excessive tires? Or were the tires The tires are free. That's <laughs> right. Were they 44s, you know? I mean, it's, it's a good <laughs> Is it not serious? Was it like... Is, I mean, it, is it, it serious? Were, were they necessary tires to buy, or were they like, I'm going to look cool? waste my money with yeah well and I think another couple questions is you know it's like a car like what percentage of your income is it you know uh, what are you doing with the rest of the income that you have you know maybe you're giving twice that already so I think what a person can and can't do or should and should do is also viewed with you know what has God given them What, what is the wealth and possessions and work he's given them and you know, they may be giving and, you know, super generous, but doesn't mean that they need to live like a pauper during. And there's a lot of freedom. You'll notice that, um, you know, especially in the New Testament, we're not under all of the specific amounts of tithing and percentages, right? Do you remember the Corinthians? Let's go to Corinthians. Right? We're talking about giving. There's a lot of ways that we can give. We can give with our time and our service. Instead of spending all of our hours at our earning income, we can spend our time serving at our church or in a various number of causes. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So, what's the command here about how we should give? Second Corinthians 9. Each one should give what? 
right? They're deciding in their heart. So it doesn't say everyone gives 10% or 7% or 20%. And what else? Not what? Mm -hmm. So also, that first point is more like a statement of fact instead of a command. It's, it's more of an indicative, right? You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. I think we talked about, I think maybe we were talking about giving and Becky was saying that like wherever you're giving, wherever your money's going, that's indicating where your heart is. Yeah. And so wherever you're sowing that investment, right? You sow a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. So if you want to have a reap a large, uh, reap bountifully, then you would sow bountifully in your giving or whatever that happens to be but not reluctantly or under compulsion. Mm -hmm. So I might, a person might uh, say, well, I, I don't want to be compelled uh, in that sense. Um, yes? I think another concept that kind of helps me out is sometimes, like I want to give my kids a gift, mm -hmm. um, something that they would enjoy because I love them. Mm -hmm. And it'd almost be insulting if my kids told me, "Why are you giving me this gift? Mm -hmm. Why don't you give it to this starving mm -hmm. child in Africa?" Yeah. Basically, I don't want. And and so you look at, let's say, the Lord giving a gift to mm -hmm. His children. Mm -hmm. He said, "I want you to enjoy this steak. I made mm -hmm. cows to be eaten, and they were wonderful. I want you to enjoy it." And for us to turn to God and say, "Well, what about the starving child of Africa?" I mean, there's, there's a sense where God could say, "Yeah, I love them," not, and I've got my mm -hmm. reason and my purposes and everything, but there's not a like if God gives you a gift, mm -hmm. He means for you to enjoy it as an act of worship. And mm -hmm. when you kind of get into this asceticism of I can't be happy unless everybody's happy, mm -hmm. um, that's not necessarily the way God's designed heaven or His kingdom. Yeah, and I think that there's a, there's a sense in which when you when you give your kids gifts, you want them to have the freedom to try and um, use it in a way that glorifies God. And that might be just enjoying the gift itself. Sometimes they might say, oh, I would really like to give some of this to so-and-so or share this with so-and-so. That's awesome. But you don't want them to feel um, like they're doing it under compulsion. They have to do this in order to be uh, right. So there's kind of the heart attitude makes a key difference there. Whereas God doesn't want you giving under compulsion, reluctantly, he wants the heart to be a heart of generosity. Okay, so with related to giving, our last one, should a couple suspend their giving until their debt is under control? So maybe they've got a lot of debt, um, either for house, cars, credit cards, student loans, um, whatever that might be. What do you guys think? So maybe we could take each one, but let's say they have a bunch of debt, right? And in one case, they they have a plan to to control. But let's say at the moment, it's kind of out of control. They don't know what to do to get out of debt. So should they say, okay, we're going to need to stop giving, figure out how to control this debt? 
even know because there's probably something else that could be shaped up to that instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing the scorched earth thing where you're thinking about, you're considering not giving, you know, have you already cut the internet? Have you already canceled every mm -hmm. subscription to everything? Mm -hmm. that, you, know, you don't have a gym club membership anymore. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, is it a situation where it is that bad of a scorched earth? Or is mm -hmm. it, you're like, I can cut this number and this number and then I can stabilize? Mm -hmm. And why are you so panicked? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too that, you know, the, the larger the debt, I think this is it, right? The larger the debt, the more it just causes stress and panic, right? Mm -hmm. It causes a lot of anxiety and conflict. So if they've got out of control debt, yeah, they're going to be, you know, anxious or panicked. Mm -hmm. So what would you, how would you counsel a couple like this? They ask you, well, we were just thinking about, well, let's wait until we get it control and then we'll start giving. Because you also talked about how you view money, though, as well. Like, mm -hmm. You realize it's not yours, it's yours to use, it's yours to steward. Mm -hmm. So if you're keeping that mindset instead of, I'm fixing my problem, it's I've been given this to steward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, giving is not a, like, there's a lot of ways to give and a lot of different amounts that you can give. So figuring out an amount that keeps the practice and the attitude of giving in place um, while maybe it's somewhat diminished while you attack and paying off some of that debt. Yeah, I think about seek first the kingdom of heaven mm -hmm. and all these things will be added to you. Also think about laying up treasure in heaven because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Um, if you stop giving entirely, one of the risks that you incur is your heart won't be in those heavenly causes anymore. Yeah, you're not and, invested. And seeking first kingdom of heaven would be harder to do. So from a spiritual standpoint... Like with your dad, and tell, remind that story about the yeah. church and... Yeah, my dad... Um, always told us growing up, don't join a church because they just want your money. And then he became a Christian, started listening to Dave Ramsey, and started tithing to his mainline church. But then when he found out that they're going to go liberal and possibly um, become gay affirming, he stopped giving at that point because he wanted to do some investigation mm -hmm. because he cared about the doctrinal direction of the church. Mm -hmm. So that that giving kind of helped was a way that God used that to help him feel invested as a part of yeah. that ministry. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's what you give up when you stop. Mm -hmm. Giving is a real investment in the kingdom. Yeah. Enterprises. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about, I thought, um, just to mention too, was something that um, is to talk about as we kind of finish up, is that, you know, in your marriage, we have, um, we have all these principles, but sometimes we forget that there, there can be um, it's a, more about the, the idea of oneness and so sometimes one thing that can cause a little bit of um, disunity I guess is if you have financial goals that are good that fit into all these but maybe they're not in the same priority list okay so like I was brainstorming Chris and I came up with like 13 or 14 like what are some financial goals that couples might often have so let's just list a few right what are our goals 
that we want to do financially. It could be saving, giving, paying off, what? Buying a house, okay? And paying it off. Return it buying and saving off. Saving for retirement. College. College for the kid. Or for your, yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Debt free. Debt free. Mm -hmm. Any more? It's all good ones, right? Home Emergency project. fund. Yeah, yeah, you get, hit all the. Yeah. yeah. And then what was I heard from? Like home for the Mm-hmm. And so kind of there's lots of these. Yeah. And so what we were kind of talking about and just observing just in our marriage is that you know it, it can be helpful to have a talk and a conversation about like which one's first, right? Which one's second? Which one's third? How do we develop those? I mean, I know that for us, like I might be placing paying off the house above, above and she might be thinking about improving the house, right? Both of, both of us are looking at ways in which um, we should be aiming our direction, right? Um, we might have different ideas about, you know, how much we should be investing for our retirement. How, what portion of um, our savings should, how should we plan for our kids for paying for their college? And by debt free, you know, what do we mean by that? Do we mean our mortgage included? Do we mean no car payments? Do we mean just no credit cards? And so all of those are things that, right, you can have these goals and fit in here. But if you've got a different order of priorities, there's going to be, it's going to create um, confusion when, oh, we've got $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, and let's invest it in, right? And you go to two different topics. So any, any uh, advice on how to, you guys, like, how would you go about having that, setting, setting that up or talking through that? There's a lot of times there's the math part. And that's a legitimate thing. Like sometimes it takes time to understand how that credit card debt is actually building up or how your mortgage or how inflation works or how your retirement compounds. Yeah. To, to, and, it, and I think one thing that's helpful for us is to sit down and look at you know calculators or mortgage calculators or retirement calculators and okay, if we do this, this is where we would be predicted to be in five years or ten years. Yeah. I remember reading a book by Dave Ramsey, you know, which both of us have. Yeah. And I remember you said um, there's other ways to pay for college, but there's not other ways to pay for retirement. Mm -hmm. You know, kids get to get scholarships and stuff like that. So I think sometimes you look at external factors before mm -hmm. you decide, oh, mm -hmm. we need to put all our money towards college. Mm -hmm. You know, let's take money out of retirement to pay for college. Is mm -hmm. that the best yeah. thing? So sometimes I, I think like a Dave Ramsey or Crown Financial Ministries. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of good stewardship. Uh, getting professional advice could also be very yeah. helpful where somebody could sit down and help you make sense of it if yeah. that's not intuitive to you. 
Yeah, like, and, and everyone, I think each husband and wife and each marriage, each family is unique. And so the way that you approach it is going to be, need to be unique. That's kind of tailored to your job, your income, you know, are you a business owner? That kind of goes back to that understanding your, your financial situation. Well, and I think that if you have these certain goals, it's not like all of the money has to go towards just this one thing first, and then you go to the next one. You need to talk about maybe a certain percentage goes to this goal, mm-hmm. but then you also have these others that need a little bit of attention to. Like mm-hmm. if you take the house, for example, if you're putting all your money into paying it off, and then in the meantime your house is deteriorating, mm-hmm. things are breaking, and you're not upkeeping it, mm-hmm. you know, you need to kind yeah. of balance that. Yeah. And so talking about that, what needs to be, is, is really important. Yeah. Good. Okay. So I think the takeaway point, like in the conclusion there, right, that it can create a lot of marital strife, right, if you're sharing and trying to be united. But, you know, if we keep God as the center, right, we're just looking at how are we to use this money for your will to accomplish your purposes, not for mine, not for my spouse, but for God's will. So next week, we're ending up. Dave's getting started on sex and marriage. Sex and marriage, yeah. Spread the word. Bring the popcorn. Bring the popcorn. Okay. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for a fruitful time that we've had just talking about how to be good stewards of what you've given us. And I just thank you for how you use money to accomplish eternal uh, work in our lives. You use it to bless us. You use it to bless others. And you give money, you take money away, and you do it all in a way that brings honor and glory to you. And I pray that we would learn to see it that way, to see all money as belonging to you, and us as being a steward that is meant to uh, wisely and lovingly uh, use and administer that those resources for your glory and for your kingdom. Please be with us in our, our marriages as we continue the, the next few weeks to talk about sex. Be with us and the message today and in our worship time help it to be an encouraging time where we bring all of our focus and attention to you and be encouraged on to grow more into your image give you thanks in jesus name amen